and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. A quick note about today's show. You know if you listen regularly, and if you're new, you're about to learn, that my co-host Tiffany Parks lives in Rome. And I, Katie, your other host, I live in Seattle. Now, most of the time we use recording technology and a lot of audio editing so that it sounds more or less like we're in the same room. But today, due to issues that are way too boring to explain, Tiffany will sound like she's on the phone. Let's think of it as a fun thing, shall we? Perhaps it's good to remember from time to time that we're actually half a world away from each other. So bear with us for today's show. Also, don't forget to tip your podcaster. If you love the show, support it. If you look forward to Mondays because of this show, support it. You can get prizes by hopping on patreon.com. Just look for the Bittersweet Life podcast or make a one-time donation through PayPal at our website, thebittersweetlife.net. You can find links to both of those places in our show notes. All of our donors get a handwritten thank you note, a sticker, and 13 more of you will get a limited edition magnet featuring the art of Caravaggio. So please, tip your podcaster. This week, I want to thank people who did tip their podcaster. Thank you so much to Nick, Maria, Joe, Catherine, John, Scott, Devaraj, Andrew, Lizette, and Nicholas, who finally was granted his Italian citizenship. He writes... Dear Katie and Tiffany, I just wanted to thank you both for accompanying me over the last few years as I waited recognition of Italian citizenship. Now that I've been recognized, I can focus on the next stage of planning a life abroad. However, I know the next year of transition won't be easy, but I take comfort in knowing that your podcast will give me the courage that I need to take the leap. Thanks so much, Nick, and congratulations. Enjoy your celebratory magnet from me. And now, on to the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we're talking about (laughs) what everyone is talking about, which is, Tiffany? Death. Death. No, I'm (laughs) kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Let's hope not. No, we're going to talk about the coronavirus today. Right. Because everyone's talking about it. And this is the only time I'm going to break the fourth wall and tell you that sometimes we are taping this show right before it airs and other times we're not. And I want to say that we're not because I have no idea how much worse this is going to get Mm -hmm. by the time this airs. So we are taping this on Monday, March 2nd, and it's coming out the following Monday. So right. Who the heck knows? We yeah, this could be totally out of date by the time it comes out. Because I feel like a week ago, a week ago today, I was not nearly as concerned as I am today. Exactly. So right. It could have all blown over. Let's, yeah. Let's be hopeful. Maybe this is all blown over, down to zero cases around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just collectively laughed. Or at least no new. Not very many new cases. I don't know. I know what you're saying. I, I, I'm just putting it. I'm just putting it out there. It could happen. You know, there's also this weird fear that I always have about talking about diseases because, you know how 
every time you say, oh, yeah, I haven't been sick all winter, uh, then you're mm-hmm. like the very next day you you have coronavirus, you know, <laughs> so I feel like we're talking about coronavirus as people without coronavirus. And by next week when this airs, we'll have it or something. So but as it stands today, we thought it would be interesting to talk about it. Not because we have more facts to add. You're probably overloaded with facts wherever you are, but because we have two kind of interesting perspectives as of today, which is that coronavirus has now hit the United States of America and the first death occurred in King County, which is in Washington State, which is where Seattle is, which is where I reside, which means the very first case fatality in the United States is in my own hometown. Now, granted, it happened in Kirkland, which is a suburb of Seattle, so it's not right in my backyard yet, but it is in my county within my vicinity. And uh, as we're talking today, now six people have died from it. All in all in King County or all in Washington State. Five in King County, one in Snohomish County, which is the county right, our sister county. Mm-hmm. So... That's just the latest. Uh, I believe that was as of just an hour ago. <laughs> so that's what I mean by this being out of date. Yeah. Right. In the Italy, I'm sure everyone knows listening that Italy is the number one hardest hit country in Europe and really in, in outside of Asia. Um, and it's been it's been really really bad in the north of Italy, as I'm sure you all know. Rome has so far kind of skated under all of this, but finally, just in the past day, actually, same sort of thing. Um, We haven't had a lot of deaths in Rome, but there are cases popping up now, um, about 10 cases, including someone in the Vatican, which is where my husband works. Oh, no. Yeah, now the Vatican is a very, very big place, (laughs) and lots and lots of people work there. And so that does not mean it's someone who's like a colleague of my husband. It's probably someone, I don't, I don't know who it is, but it's someone who um, had contact with, um, now uh, hang on one second, because I don't want to say something that's untrue. I, I have to check my facts. I don't remember, know if this person has it or if they're just afraid he has it because he had direct contact with the priest over at San Luigi de Francesi Church. I don't know if you heard about this, but Katie, but our, you know, the church where our favorite Caravaggio paintings reside, or at least three of our favorites, has been closed because the priest there has the virus and he's been sent to France because he's French. And the person in the Vatican had con- some kind of contact with him. So I, I do want to put it out there. I don't know now that I'm thinking about it if this person actually has it. So, okay, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. This is the other problem with talking about this is that it's so easy to stir up rumors as well. I know. Well, that's <laughs> you know? why I stopped myself because I was like, "Hang on." And I could, I could have been right. My first thought could have been right, but at this moment, I can't, I can't quite remember. Yes. But, but yes, there's definitely like a police officer and a firefighter, and uh, one school has been closed, one public school, and then lots of international schools have been closed. And what's really sad, and I mean, I don't want to compare this to the people who are dying. Of course, that's you know the greatest tragedy of all, but. As far as collateral damage, the study abroad kids are all being sent home. And that hurts me because I know a lot of these kids because they come in and they do, you know, I get one of these study abroad kids every semester to do an internship at my office. I get to know them and I talk to them. And I mean, of course, they're not all from the same walks of life, but a lot of them 
are people who, you know, their families have really had to make sacrifices for them to be able to, to come. And it's a big deal for them. And it's for a lot of them, it's the first time they've ever been abroad. It's like this amazing experience. For so many of them, it's this experience that is unforgettable, that's going to influence their whole life to come. And to have it cut short so soon and in such, for, such a, you know, for such an unpleasant reason, I really feel bad for them. It's funny because I've had that same thought, I feel bad for them, but I've also had that thought of, in a sense, why? The coronavirus is hitting Italy. Last week, as you know, I went to go visit one of my cousins. And as I'm waiting to get on the plane, this is when we first find out that the first death has occurred in Washington State. And I'm texting with Derek, and Derek says, are you sure you want to come back? You know, we're now ground zero for uh, the first death in the United States. And of course, I want to come back. This is my house. You know, I work here and, and all that stuff. But just because there's an outbreak in Italy doesn't mean that those students aren't going to fly back to Colorado or something and have it be there, too. So what's the point? Why cancel it? I totally understand the trying not to assemble in groups thing and that if you're studying abroad, you might all be living on top of each other in very tight classrooms and stuff like that. But at the same point, you know, if it becomes a global pandemic, which I guess it already technically is, it can end up anywhere. I know. I know. I think I think a main reason that they're canceling things is to avoid being sued. That's what I, I really think. It's for fear of that kind of a thing. Just wanting to cover themselves, basically. These big private schools, usually they're big private schools. And I think that's why the international schools closed as well. And like the, the Rome public schools are not closing, at least not as of yet. Just one closed because like one of the kids there, his father had it. So that's why that school closed. But Aurelio's school is still open. And that's a nursery school. It's, well, it's kindergarten and preschool. And, uh, you know, those kids, how they are, they sneeze on each other all the time. Mm-hmm. They stick their fingers in their noses and their mouths. And mm-hmm. you just have to, you know, cross your fingers. Luckily, kids are, don't seem to be very susceptible to this, which is really the best news for me because... I could deal with anything, but not my kid getting sick, you know? Well, not susceptible to the symptoms so much, but they are carriers. They're carriers. Okay, well. They can bring it around. They can bring it home to me. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, in Seattle at the moment, or Seattle and surrounding areas, they've only been closing certain schools for a day or two, um, mostly because they'll know of some contact, so they'll close the school to disinfect it, Mm -hmm. completely clean it from floor to ceiling, and then open it up again. But I have another question for you from your Italian perspective. Mm-hmm. What is happening at the grocery stores? Anything? Nothing. I mean, to be honest, I, well, when was the last time I went? I went day before yesterday, maybe Friday. I think Friday was the last time I went. So three days ago. And there was absolutely nothing out of the ordinary at all. Hmm. No, I haven't been since then. And I feel like this weekend is kind of when things changed. Um, and when People started to kind of panic, and our numbers went from, and who knows what our numbers are going to be when this this episode airs, but our numbers went from around Friday, I think we were around 300. Is this in Rome proper? No, this is, sorry, this is all of Italy. Okay. The numbers were around 300, and then as of today, it's 2,000. It's over 2,000, and I can't remember the number of deaths. It's still in the single digits, but, but it's still a lot. It's like 50, somewhere around 50. So I don't know. That would be in the double digits, actually. Oh, did I say single digits? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Excuse 
excuse me, I meant not triple. <laughs> but as of Friday, again, that's not this past Friday, if you're listening, it's Friday the 28th of February. There was nothing going on in the supermarkets out of the ordinary. There was plenty of food, plenty of canned goods, plenty of pasta. Everything was fine. There was nobody like rushing the shelves. They were not that crowded. I haven't really been out in the, you know, the touristy areas in the past week, but I've seen a lot of my fellow Romans who I follow on social media posting that, you know, it's just, it's a little bit less busy than usual, but not that much. You know, it's still low season, so the city's not crowded. Claudio told me today that the Vatican museums were not packed, but there were still lots of people there. No museums have closed that I know of in Rome. They have canceled some concerts, but not that many. They've been canceling more than anything, like the big sort of um, fairs, you know, like the, the business fairs, conference, you know, things like that. Those things have been canceling. And then, like I said, the schools. But as far as I know, no, no museums have been closed and not very many concerts have been closed or have been canceled. Well, it's interesting because there's, of course, plenty of Facebook groups for expats in Rome or expats in Italy who are asking questions. And oftentimes you'll see travelers jump on there. Mm. And one of the big questions has been, should I cancel my trip? to Rome should I cancel my trip to Milan and it was funny because yesterday Derek and I were talking about the possibility of are we going to get to Rome in the spring I was thinking about that yeah and he said it doesn't look like now and I said maybe now is exactly the time to go it's gonna be cheaper you save tons of money yeah, yeah all the museums will be open but empty well but we don't know that though I know we don't know we don't know anything we don't know anything first of all and secondly Here's the two risky things that I've been telling people come to Italy. Like, like, please, God, come to Italy. My job depends on it. Yeah. Yeah. Because for right now, I would not advise going to Milan or Venice at all. In fact, I believe that the CDC has basically said, avoid it. They've said of the rest of Italy, like, we suggest that you avoid non-essential travel to, to Rome and other areas like that. But they're not saying don't go there. So that's the word as of right now. I would avoid Milan and Venice, though. But what I was going to say is, A, you don't, we don't know. If, if it really gets bad in Rome, which it could, they could close all the museums by April and all the exhibits. And I mean, it would still be fun to have you here. And we could still walk the streets because the city of Rome, I mean, the Trevi Fountain is not going to close. Think of all the free time you would have. <laughs> I know. It would be kind of great. We would just wander the city. Piazza Navona won't close. The Spanish Steps aren't going to close. The Trevi Fountain won't close. Trastevere is not closing. Yeah. But the churches and the museums, who knows? But here's the really risky thing. It's when you go back to the States, mm. will they let you in? Will they put you in quarantine? That's the real risk. And my husband and I, are we've been planning our, we've been in the sort of pre-planning stage of our annual trip to the States, trying to decide if we're going to go in the spring or in the early fall because we, uh, we won't be able to make it this summer. And our original idea had been to go in the late spring. But that is too risky because, first of all, by May this could have all blown over. Let's all hope that it will have. But if it hasn't and we fly to the States and one of us has a cough or my son has a little tiny bit of a fever, as he often does in the spring because he has allergies and sometimes it leads to, to fever because he's a little kid, if any of those things happen, they can very easily say, well, you know, you're coming from Italy, you're sick, you have flu-like symptoms, 
you're now going to be in quarantine. Mm -hmm. And they put you in some hospital somewhere for two weeks, the entire length of your vacation. So not only do you spend your entire vacation in quarantine, but then you have this enormous doctor's bill afterwards. And so we're like, you know what? It's totally too risky. Right now, as it stands, we're thinking September, but who knows? Who knows? We're not going to book our, I don't think we're going to book our tickets until like this has passed. Yeah. So I have a question. I have two questions because before we um, get off you guys' possible vacation. So Claudio, I know your vacation often hinges on a lottery system because he works for the Vatican and everybody needs to get their vacation when they get it, right? Uh, yeah, kind of. Is, is there any part of him that would like to get the heck out of the Vatican? Because, I mean, he's a guard at the Vatican, which means he's surrounded by thousands. Tourists from all over the world. Yeah, yeah thousands and thousands. Tourists touching their hands, touching their everything, coughing. I mean, for him personally? Yeah, I mean, he, he's worried. He's a little bit of a germaphobe. I wouldn't say he's excessively so, He's got, but he's got a little bit of it more than more than I have and he was kind of talking about this weeks and weeks ago when yes there were a few cases in northern Italy but not very many it was mostly like a Chinese thing he was saying you know the the museums are full of people from everywhere he's like I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the Vatican he said this weeks ago the problem is it's a separate state. It's a separate country from Italy. They don't have to follow Italian laws. And so if they don't want to test their employees, they don't have to. If they don't want to do certain precautions, if Italy says, okay, all museums in Rome have to close, the Vatican doesn't have to follow that recommendation. That could potentially cause some, some major problems. Uh, so he's rightly worried. I mean, he's still going. He doesn't have any symptoms. But, you know, people are always sick there because it's a big place. There's a lot of people. And he's pretty much convinced that it's there. There's no proof of that. There's been no testing that I know of of the guards. But it's very likely. Well, I mean, even in, in Washington State, where we just had six people die as of the time we're recording this, they're estimating, if I remember correctly from reading the paper, that that means that it's probably been here for about six weeks prior. Six weeks? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah. It's a it's an interesting virus because it can live on surfaces for so long, like many viruses, but it can it can hang around for a while. So Okay, so totally separate though. Before we recorded this, when we were talking about it a couple days ago, you were saying that your theory, however, your working theory is that yes, it's it's going to probably eventually be everywhere in Italy and it's going to eventually maybe be everywhere in the United States as well. But your working theory is is that it won't damage you guys as much as it will damage us. And why is that? Well, I don't necessarily think it won't damage Italy. I do think it'll damage Italy's economy if nobody comes, if people stop coming, even for one season. It could be very, very damaging to Italy's economy. It could take a long time to get back from that. The reason I think that it could spread much worse in the United States is because not everyone has access to health care in the United States. And even if you do have health insurance, you might not have enough health insurance. You might be underinsured. You might not be able to afford your copays or deductibles, things like that. And so if you have a cold or the flu-like symptoms, if you, you could have it and you might think to yourself, I'm fine, 
I'm not going to go to the doctor because it's just a cold, it's just a flu. So a lot of people could have it without knowing simply because they don't go to the doctor. Whereas in Italy, there's there's very little incentive not to go to the doctor because first of all, everyone who is either an Italian citizen or a legal resident has their own general practitioner who is like assigned to them or they pick, you can pick or you can be assigned. And it's usually someone really close to your home and you can go there for free as, as often as you like. And some people go very, very often, the older generation. Um, but you can go whenever you want. It doesn't cost anything. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to pay copay. You just go. So, you know, if you are sick, there's very little, besides maybe not feeling like you want to wait an hour in the doctor's office, there's really no reason not to go. Well, and there is an incentive to go, right? Because if you are not feeling well, you go to the doctor to get a note from the doctor so you don't have to work. Yeah, exactly. That's that. It is a great incentive. <laughs> If you're truly sick, obviously. But yeah, uh, here in Italy, it's different from the States. We don't have like assigned sick days, a certain number per year. You have as many sick days as you need. There is some kind of a limit to it, but it's it's quite high. Um, and the doctor says, okay, you, you need three days. You need a week. You need one day. You know, whatever the doctor decides. And sometimes they ask you, they're like, do you want it to, like my doctor's always, like whenever I go into the doctor and I've got like bronchitis or something like that, my doctor's always like, you want to take the whole week off? I really can't. Like, I, I would, but I have work to do. So give me two days and I'll be fine. But I could easily be like, yeah, I'll take a week. Thank you. <laughs> and in general, though, that, that means that you're off and you're being paid. Yes, yes, yes. It's totally paid. Is that the case for everyone? Like, if I worked in a restaurant and I got a doctor to write me a note, would I still get paid or is it more office work? Um, I think it depends on the type of contract you have as opposed to the type of work that you do. Although the contracts do differ based on the industry that you're in. Having never worked in a restaurant in Italy, I can't tell you 100%. But I know for the job that I have and the type of contract I have, that's the case. If you're a freelancer, it's not the case. But if you're what they call a dependent employee, then it is the case. It's interesting, though, because for us, we have a limited number of sick days, of course. But we don't have to prove it. We just have to call in if we have sick days at all, which many people in their jobs don't, but if we have them, all we have to do is call in and say, I'm sick, I'm not coming in. So sometimes when you used to talk about being sick and having to go to the doctor to get a note so that you could stay home for a day, it seemed like such a pain in the butt (laughs) because I was thinking, boy, the last thing in the world I want to do if I'm really, really sick is drag myself off the couch and go see a doctor so I can stay home for the day. But at the same point in this period, like with a virus like this, it could make it so that you guys have much better data than what we have. Well, yeah. And I mean, just looking at the numbers of how many people have been tested in Italy so far, and again, this is as of March 2nd, Italy has tested over 20,000 people. The last I saw, the United States had tested about 300 people. I mean, the United States is significantly bigger than Italy. And okay, yes, it got here first. But Italy has tested way more people than other European countries as well. And some people say that's why Italy has such huge numbers is because they've tested so many people. Now, I don't know if that's true. Maybe, you know, we'll see it as time passes. But definitely, like, it, it does make it easier when people have access, easy access to healthcare. It's kind of a win-win situation. But the other thing is, is like you were saying, the sick time. If I know that my job is safe and I'm not going to get fired for being sick and that I'm going to get paid at least for the next couple of months. Like I said, there is a limit to it at a certain point. But, you know, if I'm truly sick, I'm going to stay home. 
I'm not going to go and get my office sick. And that's a good thing. You know, I mean, I only work with a couple of people, but let's say you work like my husband with, you know, 300 people. It's better that you stay home and you don't get everybody else sick. Has your office done any internal planning about it? We haven't. In fact, I was so convinced that today there was going to be like a meeting or something. But no, but nothing. But one of my bosses was not in, so maybe that's why. But, you know, you know how I was just saying, like, just last week, this seemed like such a non-deal. We have a, a woman who sort of collaborates with us externally, and she only comes in on Wednesdays. And she had been last weekend in Milan, and she came in on Wednesday. And everybody was kind of, like, teasing her, like, telling her to go away, like, not to come in. But it was a joke. And she eventually came in, and she sat down, and she even brought, like, Cornetti for the office. And she used my phone. And now I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe we should, maybe we should, we were, I don't know. I, this is the thing, Katie. And I'm sure that a lot of people feel like me. I am so confused by this whole thing. Not confused as to what the facts are, but confused as to what the danger really is. I feel like this could go either way. I feel like this could totally blow over and everyone could be like, okay, this was bad. And of course, it's a tragedy to the people who died, but it's not as scary as it seems mm-hmm. or I think it could go the other way I think it could be it could be something like really devastating and I don't know how to feel about it I know it's giving me anxiety just not really knowing how to deal with it there's a brand new podcast out from my old colleagues at KUW called Seattle Now it's their new daily news podcast it's like 10 minutes long a day and they did their very first episode today as we're recording March 2nd that was their first release. And of course, it's about the coronavirus. And uh, the host of that show, who's a good friend of mine, Patricia Murphy is her name. Her father-in-law is an infectious disease expert, Dr. Crumpacker. And she interviewed him on the show today and said, you know, offline weeks ago, you and I were talking about this. And I said, well, what level are you concerned? And he said, oh, I'm at about a level six. And she said, okay, so as of today, when we now have, you know, confirmed deaths in the United States, uh, not to mention in what, something like 52 countries in the world and on almost every single continent, what level of concern do you have? And he said he's at a nine. Wow. So 10 being like full out panic, like barricade yourself in your home. Well, I don't know if if infectious disease experts ever panic, (laughs) but worried about how big that this could get I guess is the implication that's exactly I'm I'm really trying I haven't been alarmed really until kind of this past weekend I just I read an article by Beppe Severnini who's this really great Italian journalist who has spent a lot of time in the United States and writes a lot about the United States and he writes for the New York Times sometimes just like a column for them and he had a piece in the New York Times I think today or in the past day or two about sort of what's going on in Italy and he's from the north you know and I think he lives in Milan and and I really resonated with what he was saying and I'll, I'll link to the article in our notes but he was like Italians are these extremely convivial people they're social they interact with each other they're not loners they need physical or social contact. I mean, but also physical contact. I mean, always kissing each other, you know, mm-hmm. hugging each other. Holding each other's arms as you walk down the street. Yeah. And, you know, here we are being told that we can't do this. We can't be ourselves. 
he talks about the sort of Italian mentality over this whole thing, especially being in the north. You know, I am living it in Rome, but I'm not living it in the way that people in Milan are living it. That's a totally different level. Schools have been closed for weeks. People aren't going to work. Streets are empty. The Duomo was closed. Masses were canceled. There, the shopping, the supermarkets had been emptied out. And he also says, you know, very few people in Italy have a memory of anything like this. Most people aren't old enough to remember the war. I mean, there are some older people, but, you know, most of them, even if they were alive, they were very young at that time. The country hasn't gone through anything like this in in basically living memory. It's really hard for people to deal with. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to know what to do. It's very easy to fall into, like, the alarmist camp, and it's very just as easy to be like, oh, pshaw. Like, this is going to blow over. Come to Italy. Like, this is how I've been this whole time. Come to Italy. You'll be fine. Only 10 people in Rome have the disease. More people in Seattle have it than in Rome. (laughs) (laughs) You could say that now. Come here and the emergency room is, uh, emergency visits are free in Italy. So even for foreigners. (laughs) So get over there. We have a better chance. (laughs) Get over here. What have you got to lose? (laughs) All right. I'm I'm booking my ticket. Worst case scenario, you won't be able to go back to the States. But hey, you'll be in Italy. (laughs) (laughs) The the hotels are empty. Like they're at 90% cancellation rate. Wow. So, you know, you could score some amazing deals. I might uh, I might have to look into this. I don't know what it will mean for uh, the cats, Mr. Ding Dong and, and Sean, if we don't make it back again. But They've been abandoned once. They can handle it. <laughs> yeah, I know. They have a track <laughs> They'll find a new home. Take care of themselves. All right. Fine. I'm booking my ticket. No, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I do know that I need to probably get to a store ASAP because I went to the store this morning because we were out of toilet paper. <laughs> This is a bad time to be out of toilet paper. I, I walked to the grocery store and uh, there was two packs of four rolls and the tiny ones, you know, the ones that you try not to buy because yeah. they don't last more than a day. <laughs> two packs of those left. Jeez. So I bought them. So we're in toilet paper for like the next eight days. But... So in Seattle, people are people are buying the grocery store. They're, they're hoarding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of Derek's friends sent a picture of the line at Costco, which is where you can buy things in bulk. It's a store that sells things in bulk in the United States. And the lines were like so long, first thing in the morning. So yeah, people are buying whatever they can. Uh, The local grocery store that I walked to this morning, which always looks like it's been ravaged by raccoons because they take really bad care of it. The shelves are always half empty, but it was twice that today uh fred meyer is a really is a local a local grocery store chain to in seattle i think i don't know that it's anywhere else but it's a bigger grocery store and supposedly they did five times the business they usually do over the weekend wow so with the first deaths being here but also because people don't know what's going to happen if they end up closing all the schools down and then you have your kids at home and they're telling you to try not to go anywhere Mm-hmm. you're going to need to have toilet paper, which is why Derek and I, I I've been finally yeah. was just telling Derek, just use the Kleenex we have, you know. <laughs> well, if you, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Use whatever you got, paper towels, <laughs> real towels, whatever. I'm... We'll, we'll survive this. <laughs> I mean, really what the experts are saying is they're, they're trying to tell everybody to chill out a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know, just be prepared in the way that you might be prepared for an earthquake. And in that way, that's a way we should be prepared 
anyway in Seattle because we could get a major earthquake at any time. So they're basically just saying, have some canned goods on hand, have some water, like be able to survive for a couple weeks if you can't get out. And that's what you should be doing anyway. And also stop buying masks. Stop buying medical masks because there's a run on those and they're like, we now don't have enough for our medical professionals. So please stop buying medical masks to wear yeah. around. Good advice. But I mean, we didn't go to the grocery store because we were like, we're not going to be those people who panic. Yeah. And now we're like, <laughs> now we you're like, shoot. We don't have any toilet paper. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see what happens. Yeah. I just feel like the next week or two, mm -hmm. anything could happen. Like I said, it's, it causes a bit of anxiety to think, you know, we don't really know. It could go either way. Well, if we're wildly off base, as we're talking to you now, maybe we'll do a special update on Thursday, on Thursday's mini show to uh, say where we are today. Good idea. And hopefully we don't already have the virus. <laughs> That's me knocking on wood. And... Well, should we leave it there? Good luck, everyone. Stay safe. Wash your hands. I mean, oh. One other thing. I mean, I wash my hands all the time anyway, because like Claudio, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. But have you noticed that now that they say, don't touch your face, how itchy your face is all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I've been able to follow that last one. I, I maybe, maybe I should be more careful with that. But um, I have a hard enough time trying to get my son to keep his fingers out of his nose to <laughs> worry about my face. Fair enough. <laughs> well, one of my friends who's very interested in infectious disease and has been reading every single thing that can be read about this, says that you could just be helped by, it's winter, just wear your gloves around more. Mm, except it's hot in Rome. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it could work in other parts of the United States, though. Yeah, wear your gloves, like... use them to open doors, take them off when you're about to eat, wash your hands, and that might even help. So, who knows? But the problem is, Katie, when you wash your hands so much, they, they open up and they start bleeding. I know. We're both of you and I are having that problem. Is this a better solution or a worse solution? Because now I can just get, get infection straight into my hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. I really hope we don't get coronavirus for having done this episode. <laughs> I just feel like we're cursing it or that something horrible is going to happen. Well, I mean, I think uh... we're trying to, I think we're, we're trying to keep this conversation light, but we're not minimizing the risk. I don't think. No, I'm just hope that everybody I know and care about survives. That's, that's my number one thing. I know my, my stepfather has very weak lungs and he is one of the people that I worry about a lot. Yeah. Just have to uh, say our prayers and uh, be vigilant with our hygiene. Yes. And until next time, we'll leave it there. <laughs> and until next time, wash your hands, everybody. Don't touch your face. It's itchy, I know. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. And come to Italy. Come to Rome. Come to Rome. And come to Rome. Tiffany needs to keep her job in tor the tourism industry going strong. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess if we're wildly off base, we'll both be talking to you on Thursday, giving you an update. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from Italy Beyond the Obvious. Planning a dream trip to Italy? Don't go without exploring italybeyondtheobvious.com.